1: Well, as the old song goes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas time in Kansas City, and it doesn't get much better than this. Did you know that a lot of the things that we take for granted this holiday season actually started and were born right here in Kansas City? How about that? Our city has a great, great, great history when it comes to the holiday season. Diane Houston and I take a look back at some of the things that we take for granted today that were born right here in KC. Well, as we head into the holiday season, we know that Kansas City is is big on Christmas. I don't know that there's many cities that are more impressive at Christmas time like other than like a New York City or maybe a Chicago than what Kansas City is. And and Kansas City from a history standpoint has deep roots in Christmas. A lot of firsts that we see around the holidays nationwide happened here in Kansas City. Why has Kansas City been so big in the history of Christmas?
0: It's a good question. I think that Kansas City has an incredible history surrounding uh the, the holiday partially because of Hallmark, which we'll get into. sure. but just I think because we are kind of a a, 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 a big pool of people that just uh, immigrated to the area from all different cultures, which you know, the way we look at Christmas today is definitely because of the fact that we came from kind of an interesting background. We all come from different places, German, you know got French culture, um, African American history. And the way that the, the history developed of the way we celebrate Christmas today has a lot to do with this merging of different cultures and kind of coming up with our own thing.
1: You know, I, I grew up right outside of New York. So you take, you know, Christmas time in New York City for granted. And then I moved to Kansas City and experienced Christmas in, in Kansas City and then moved away for a while. St. Louis, San Antonio, places right. like that. And you went and you went, man, I thought every city was like New York or Kansas City when it came <laughs> no. to Christmas. And they they blew it out and, and made it to be such a big deal. And so... I think some of us, including myself, have taken for granted just the great Christmas celebrations that go on in this town. And even on both sides of the state line, that's something that everybody can agree on. Christmas in Kansas City is a pretty special place.
0: It really is. And I, I think that, uh, like I said before, that uh, it helps to be that we had a lot of people, especially in, in residential development and commercial development in Kansas City, that were uh, trailblazers nationwide. You know, people looked at Kansas City for their road plans, mm-hmm. um, for subdivision planning. Um, also, the first shopping center in basically outdoor shopping center in the entire nation is here. So, why not celebrate it by lighting it up with thousands and thousands of lights? I mean, all of these things are, you know, all go back to that celebration and making you feel the things. I mean, it's not just about you know family and religion and all of that. It is about that, that feeling you get. Because, can you know, I should say Kansas City, you, you can't go on, down any road in Kansas City and not feel like you're part of Christmas mm-hmm. starting, you know, as early as November.
1: Yeah, and, and it's going on, you know, right about now as we're a couple right. of weeks away from the big holiday. And some of those things that we take for granted that everybody looks at just goes, oh, yeah, okay, that was pretty cool, have their origins right here in Kansas City like the first lighted Christmas tree. And, and I think that's like so bizarre that we look at it now and it's just so commonplace but there was a time where people right. were not putting lights on Christmas trees. You well, know, I mean fire. So well, and fire, yeah, <laughs> that, that that is true. Things were lighting up in fire.
0: Well, you know, and, and the the thing is, is that the Christmas tree, were, you know, originates it's a German tradition, and really it was the Victorian area or era and. Queen Victoria and her husband, who was actually her cousin. Whoops.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Slow down here. Let's let, back up the truck uh, a little bit here. Queen Victoria married her cousin. Yeah. So that was allowed in ancient German times. <laughs> but if you wanted to marry your cousin today,
0: I mean, it's a. Well, you Got you to go to Arkansas. Got to go to Arkansas,
1: or West Virginia, yeah, or someplace like, like that. that where you can marry your
0: cousin. Yeah, she married her cousin. But, I mean, he was German and she was obviously British. Um, And so he wanted to keep a hold of his traditions when he moved to uh, to England. And so they had, you know, the first big Christmas tree and celebration there. And of course, the Victorian era, we know just from architecture, right, that they that was an inspiration for so many different things. So people wanted their own tree, too. So that's where it kind of picks up. And so when you have a lot of German immigrants, were you looked at
1: as State. rich back then? If you had a Christmas tree, was that like that, like a status type symbol back in the day? I,
0: did, I think it depended on what was on the tree because okay. we trim the tree, right? When right. we hear trim, we think of like throwing some, you know lights up and putting some ornaments, we're talking trimming with actual food and things like that and in small gifts, trinkets that they would tie to the tree. So I guess the more that was trimmed on the tree, probably the more prominent you were. But in this area of the country, which is kind of interesting, that tradition doesn't move through as quickly as you would think. So, yes, you had the East Coast that was going to because you have your influx of German culture, of course, in, in, in bigger cities. St. Louis would be one of them as well where they went ahead and started to uh, look at this as, like, we want to, to keep our custom. But the custom wasn't these massive trees, you know, like the bigger, the better mm-hmm. trees that we have today. You know, like I, I, my dad used to have, like, three Christmas trees in his house. That's a little, you know, it's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. That's
1: too many. It's one, I think one is enough. But some one. people like these multiple trees. My parents did it for a while too, where they put up this big tree here and a little tree here. It's like, like, what like are a you a doing?
0: Fun tree, and then we had like the pretty tree. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it, in general, we we look at a Christmas tree as being a representation because it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. Everybody wants a Christmas tree. Um, but the original Christmas trees were actually really small. They were tabletop trees, and that would have to do with a lot of different reasons on why. So so when when the first culture of trees comes to Kansas City and we're talking after we boom because of the Hannibal bridge so the 18 early 1880s when christmas trees are are brought in they're teeny tiny little little tabletop trees
1: kind of like the one i have on my desk today that's powered by a 9 volt battery exactly. that i always keep i, I mean it it, it is tiny. if it's a foot tall it's a you know it's tall right
0: well, and, and that had to do with financial situations and things like that, and also the availability of an actual tree. There weren't tree farms here, you know, right. it was wherever you landed. So there was this guy, his name was Oswald Lux. Mm-hmm. I like his name. So Oswald comes to live in Kansas City. And, and he, where's
1: Oswald from originally? Oswald's
0: from Germany. he's straight from Germany he's and Straight ends up-, up off the boat, Kansas City. Okay. And he's a cabinet maker in Westport. He ends up with his two young children and he ends up with another uh, newborn. Settling on Archibald Street, which still exists today, um, in Westport, and he is set, he is hellbent. He is going to get a tree for his kids because that's his culture. Mm -hmm. That's where he comes from. So he sets out on this mission, and it's super well told across several different sources about what happened so he goes around, and he goes to all the German, you know, immigrants who own stores because they're going to understand what he's looking for. But he doesn't speak great English, and so he walks into the store. He, he had exhausted his resources in um, in Westport, so he goes to Kansas City. And he's down on, like, 11th Street. He's looking around, and he walks into a store because he doesn't speak that great of English, and he, he's trying to say, like, I want the big tree, you know, and, and the guy behind the counter actually didn't speak German and couldn't help him out. He's like, oh, we got this great tabletop tree. He's like, I don't want that. I want a big tree. So he's super disappointed. It's the day before Christmas. He's heading home and he drives or, you know, he's got his wagon and he's going up the hill by Union Cemetery and he looks over.
1: And where's Union Cemetery? Downtown?
0: It's Union Hill area. Union hill, so, okay. so, and actually Union Cemetery, we need to do a whole story on that. Union Cemetery is named that because it was a union between Westport and Kansas City. Gotcha. So it's in between Kansas City and Westport. So he's driving along and he looks over and he sees all of these large evergreen trees that still are there. And he goes, I got an idea. So he stops and he cuts down evergreen branches. He gets back to Westport. He decides he's going to make his own tree. So then he goes and he buys a broom. So he buys a broom and he takes the broom off and takes the broom stick. Then he goes to probably some, you know, saloon, right? And they got a bunch of barrels outside, and he decides he's going to pick up one of those barrels. Ask the guy, can I have this empty barrel? Would have been better if it was full, but you know, it wasn't. He takes the barrel. He takes the barrel apart, which I'm going to tell you, I've done this myself to actually emulate how this happened. I wanted to see with my mom, with Helen. Helen and I decided we were going to try to figure out how we made this, this, this makeshift tree. He takes the staves, which are curved, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. He takes the staves and he actually nails them around the bottom of the broomstick. And creates tree branches with the with the staves, and then he works his way up. the 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 biggest at the base was about thirteen inches, which doesn't sound that big at all. I mean, each stave is thirteen, so it'd be twenty six inches across or whatnot. And he builds it up, and then takes sticks at the top. Then he covers. This is
1: like the first artificial tree. It is
0: the first artificial tree, a yeah. lighted tree, which is interesting because people didn't light these little trinket trees back in the day. They're yeah. not; they don't have candles on them yet. So he does this and he takes tissue paper, green tissue paper, and he lines all of the staves with the tissue paper and then takes the branches and places them and, and glues them or fastens them and creates this tree. And he said, it just doesn't look right. I need something else. So he actually takes big fat candles from his shop outside on Archibald Street and nails the candles into the each of the, the branches, if you will, the staves. And lights him after he takes it inside. So it ends up being the first lighted tree. So the kids wake up in the morning and they're just thrilled. The thing, oh, by the way, how tall you think this thing was? I'm
1: going to guess about three feet tall. Good job. Is it, well, it, was, yeah. it was
0: about three feet. Like wow, all
1: that work. Why didn't he three just feet? cut down part of the tree and bring that home and put it? in I the, know. You well, know. like you know, if you cut off the top part of the tree, you still got the point and everything, and yeah, there you go.
0: Maybe, I, maybe he didn't want to get arrested by Union Cemetery. Well, we know.
1: used to cut trees down in college all the time and have to hide from the cops. Oh, but I mean, yeah. that was I mean, but that was back in college, and, and that wasn't back in the 1800s or whatever. This the was kind
0: of evergreen around. that grow naturally here are not going to be traditional evergreens that we have today. So you're not going to see, even those little, I have a miniature tree outside of my house that is there all the time. You know, that those things are hybrids, yeah. you know? So we didn't have the, the trees you're talking about here in Kansas City um, at this time. So yeah, so he takes these branches and I actually totally went to the Union Cemetery and cut some of these branches so I could emulate exactly what Oswald did. So Oswald takes this tree. It's beautiful. Everyone's like, oh my God, that is the coolest thing ever. Because of course they put it in the front of their house. Yeah. So everybody could see it. It became so popular, the kids were coming by all the time, that people were donating boxes of candles to keep the thing lit, which just sounds super... How funny.
1: do they keep it from not burning down?
0: I don't... See, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know how... Especially now, if if this thing's up for a long period of time, that evergreen's drying out.
1: Sure. And that's going to be like a tinder and go up right <laughs> away, and, you know, cause the whole city to burn down. What if down? whiskey
0: was in the barrel? Like, think yeah. about it. It's like, that's going to be flammable. Right. I don't know how that... It, it didn't happen. There's no fire to be reported. But what did happen is it became so popular that Oswald had to take the tree out of his home and actually put it on the street so people could just come up and see it whenever they wanted. And it stayed lit for about a week. So it was this really big deal. It's it's now touted to be the first actual lighted tree. It was a couple years later, just history tells us, that by 1885 or so, um, Kansas City was importing Christmas trees via train from Michigan. So then you could just go to a tree lot. Yeah. All right. But- but Oswald did it
1: first. He it was did it pretty first amazing. with that. And so the, the actual lighting of that tree and having the real light leads to somebody going, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> Why don't we do electric lights on this thing and make it a little right. bit safer for everybody? Huh? And that,
0: yeah, and that happens really quickly after. 1880s was a really big time for Kansas City. So so essentially, the, the story goes in 1887, there's this guy and his name is... Uh, Edwin Weeks, and he's working for the Cosmo, uh, Co- Cosmouth Electric Company, um, which would have been big at the time. He's the first one. He, he it's the precursor to the KCP and L. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's now Evergy. I know. I got yeah. I got a, re- a rebate from oh, them. Nice. So I, I like them for now. But he ends up incorporating this company and he's the first one to bring um, electricity into Kansas City, first in the West Bottoms because that would have been the most important place with the stockyards Mm -hmm. and everything else. So he ends up bringing electricity to Kansas City and so he ends up, he's actually friends with Edison. And Edison and Johnson, of course, were the first ones that actually pioneered what we would consider Christmas lights today. And uh, the story goes that in this, in 1887, he's living at 1409 Cherry, so he's he's in you know the the rich area of town, and he gets sent by Johnson a box of Christmas lights. And I think they're like 80 count, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and the first Christmas lights, for the record, were a few years earlier, and they were actually on a revolving Christmas tree. I don't know how it revolved, but it apparently just spun in circles in uh, Mr. Johnson's home, um, and they were red, white, and blue colored lights so i'm I'm just gonna assume we have a patriotic tree at Mm -hmm. this point too so he decides he tells his wife we're gonna put these lights on our tree so they had a square bay bay window in the front of their home and she's real nervous because they're worried about fire i mean because electricity is not safe either correct
1: yeah (laughs) i mean mean, it's a lot safer than an open flame though Eh, you know true true
0: i but you know for whatever the reason he decides he's going to string these lights together and it's not easy because you basically had to wire them yourself and so this 80 strand of lights, he puts it on the tree and it becomes just this huge deal in Kansas City because it's the first essentially electrically lit tree in Kansas City. And of course, it's going to be at the dude who's running the company of the electrical company. Sure. I mean, like it, it, he totally planned this. But he,
1: but you do it and you say, hey, look what electricity can bring you. It'll make your kids happy.
0: Yeah. And it took a while, too, for electric trees to become or lighting your trees electrically, uh, you know, through power became a thing. But well, one, because of depending on where you lived how quickly you got power but the other because people were seriously scared to death of electricity i'm still scared to death of electricity yeah don't be sticking
1: a fork in that hole there seriously
0: yeah right i mean it it terrifies me but when this first tree in kansas city was lit i mean it, it became a big thing this is 1890 or 1887 people were still scared for many years so people kept lighting their trees with with just candles for many, many years. And it wasn't until Grover Cleveland in 1895, he decided to light the White House Christmas tree with electric lights, Edison lights. Hmm. And then people went, well, if he's doing it inside I the gotta White House, he got to do it too. So it wasn't until almost the turn of the century that people stopped using candles and people, of course, I know, continue to use candles even though you're probably not you know that's well, you're a you're
1: ridiculous if you're using candles <laughs> unless you're using those like battery powered ones and now that they have at restaurants oh, everywhere you know I, that I look real Those
0: never they look okay they look real from a distance but come on now
1: yeah no, but, it's they, not but, the but, same. but it's it's actually safer to, to use a fake candle than to put a real real <laughs> yeah. uh real uh you know fire in a tree right you know so uh so so there we are we've got electric trees we got real trees we yep. got everybody lighting their trees up yep. How important and, and vital, I guess, is having Hallmark in Kansas City for oh, the gosh. history of Christmas and everything that we experience Huge. today with Christmas was probably born right here in Kansas City, right? It
0: was. We have so many things. And I wish, and, and anyone listening who has a connection to the Hall family, call me, please, because I'm di- I am have so many questions. And they've got, I mean, they are the quintessential Kansas City, especially when it comes to holidays and, and, and pioneering things that we take advantage of today, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Or take for granted, too. Well, yeah. Take, yeah,
0: well, definitely take for granted because, like, one of the things that, you know, I know because, Bob, you and I are friends. I mean, you guys do a, a great Christmas card every year, mm-hmm. right? You guys always take a nice photo and, and send a Christmas card. And back in the day, you know, um, Christmas cards, they didn't they didn't exist originally. They were postcards. People sent postcards, which I think is weird because there's no privacy in a postcard. No, there really
1: isn't. You get it's nothing. Like, and my yeah. parents sent one from Europe a couple of weeks ago. Like, have the girls Seriously? gotten the postcards yet? I'm like, I don't think they've arrived yet. Of course, I don't really check the mail much anymore because <laughs> why? Yeah, I, exactly.
0: You no, know? I know I sent postcards when I was in Europe, and I think they arrived like two weeks after I came after home. After you got home, yeah. Like, so, my so Remember parents that like, message I told you about and that story? Yeah. Well, oh, there
1: you go. Well, there you go. Now you can live it through the postcard. Yeah. But still. Kids like to get mail and whatnot, and and so they right. send them for them, not for me. But, 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 but I would think, but by, by having Hallmark here in Kansas City, we were probably on the forefront of so many different things that you're right that we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that came from Kansas City or that was created right. here in Kansas City.
0: Yeah. So, so the first postcard or the first Christmas postcard, if you will, was 1843 in in Europe, and it was it's a really gross. You can totally Google it. It's not a very attractive card. But people, you know, like this idea of sending greetings to people from afar for cheap and all of that. So that the, that's where the first So it was postcard. just a
1: simple postcard. Totally just a so postcard. When did the asinine so. letter start coming into place where people feel the need to oh tell us their life the story novel. Uh, like good Lord, we've got Facebook. We know what you're up to. We don't need the Christmas letter. Was you that get the a-
0: itemized letter that like January. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. January February. brought brand new uh, opportunities <laughs> for everybody in the Smith household.
0: But you know what? It's always the first card I open up. It's like, you know, Aunt Sally always writes a letter. And
1: there I it is. It. I need to I read it. And, don't and, care. Cause I don't know <laughs> three quarters of the people you're talking about in this I thing. I know.
0: I know. Yeah. Well, I don't know when that happened, but I will say the safety of putting it in an envelope started because of the Hall company. Mm-hmm. So essentially Hall Brothers is developed and they have – and Joyce Hall is going to be the pioneer and his brothers. And, and they decide – Christmas cards at that time were, were postcards. And we're talking about the early – about 1915. So uh, they'd been around for 70 years at this point. And the challenge was that the message had to be short and sweet, which it's like well, yeah. a text message, right? Yeah,
1: kind of like it is today. Everybody wants <laughs> yes. everything short and sweet. We had a different time period there for a while where we were getting too long and personal with things, Yes. Right?
0: Well, that's just it. So, so the people wanted to be able to write more to their family members. And so... What happens is Joyce Hall, J.C. Hall, decides that they don't have enough room, so he pioneers, he reconstructs, the, which we would call a standard card. It started with Christmas cards, to be clear, but the standard restructured card from a four-by-six folded card with an envelope was J.C. Hall's idea. Mm -hmm. All started here in Kansas City, which is crazy to me. It was the birth of the modern-day Christmas card. So... I like the idea. Even Hallmark was smart enough when everyone else started to emulate what they were doing. They were like, we have to one up everyone. So then they started hiring famous artists, right? To actually design Christmas cards. So then people couldn't get, you know, that card or that, that design unless they went to the Hallmark store. Mm-hmm. He even, he even pioneered, you know, when you go to a store and you go down the, the card aisle, you know, and, and, and it has the, the different Placements where you can see every card and you can pick them up and look at them. Yeah. That was also Hall's idea because before, you know, where they kept all their cards in a drawer. So you had to like go into a store and pull open drawers and to go cards. through these drawers. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, and then you go, duh! Why didn't I think of that? Well, that's why he. Was that's, a millionaire. Yeah, that's right. That's
1: why he's, <laughs> you know, doing what he did, and you know, we're doing what we do.
0: And that, and that Christmas card, and that whole, that whole development. He didn't just stop there. Another thing was in the in the late 19s. So were
1: Christmas cards a hit like right away? Smashing
0: S- success. Smashing. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. and it, it Hall Brothers essentially. This is what put them on the map. This is what this, along with what we're going to talk to about next, wrapping paper put them on the map and essentially has them building their massive headquarters when they moved to Crown Center area and all of that, which, of course, Crown Center named after the Hallmark Company. So the late 19-teens, and I think it was 1918, there's a big rush. Of course, everybody's going to the store downtown to purchase their Christmas cards, their wrapping paper, which wrapping paper, and I love this because it makes me think of one of my favorite Christmas movies, wrapping paper at the time, was tissue paper. So
1: you're thinking of Christmas stories yeah, with, with the bowling ball, ball and, and tissue paper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like first so that all, was like the 1940s when that yeah, took, well, that, that movie, movie took place. And yeah. I think
0: that she just couldn't figure out. But if you look, there is wrapping paper yeah. in that movie. It's just, I love that because it's that ugly green with like the string of you know, red ribbon and it's right. like he drops it on the lap and it's funny. But in any case, wrapping paper didn't exist. People bought tissue paper, different colors, tish, tissue paper. That was wrapping paper. And so they run out. And that's like a big freaking problem. So they run out of this and, you know, they didn't want to disappoint their shoppers because you've got a line of people in and out of your store. It's right in your petticoat lane. There's, you know, there's so many things going on. And so Raleigh Hall, like the Raleigh, Raleigh Hall, Raleigh Hall, Hall, he goes into the warehouse. He's trying to find a solution to this, this wrapping paper disaster that they have on their hands. And he finds they have they had bought and nobody
1: else in the world is doing wrapping no, paper. No, it's it, paper. It, it, It's strictly like in tissue. Kansas City that this yes. is happening.
0: Right, this is actually happening in Kansas City, and then changed, of course, the history of or how how we wrap presents today. Sure. So he goes into the warehouse and he finds that they have envelope linings that are made by a French company. So you know when you open an envelope and it's got the pretty gold and yeah. and all that. Well. They used to have to hand cut those for oh, their wow. warehouse. Yeah. So to be able to have the fancier cards and things like that, they were hand cut. So they come in sheets, essentially, not big sheets, but they come in sheets. And so Raleigh's like, well, they, they have nice patterns on them and they're you know good quality. So he just takes them back to the store and slaps a 10 cent a piece price tag on them. And they sold out of those, too. And that was the birth of wrapping paper because it was thicker paper. Right. And I mean, I wonder who, I don't know who created like the first scotch tape or, you know, scotch,
1: scotch. Yeah, Mr. Scotch.
0: <laughs> it didn't happen in Kansas City, but I wonder how they did fasten it, you know, because I don't really know if what kind of, you know, uh, tape they were using at the time. I'm sure it wasn't as high quality as our gift wrapping tape we have today. Right. But I mean, it's, it's, it became, it became so popular because it wasn't flimsy. Can you imagine taking a piece of friggin' tissue paper that you put the sweater around?
1: Yeah, inside? and it just rips.
0: Right, it rips. That would be a nightmare. That's
1: why you need to double up, triple up on the tissue paper. You know, that's back exactly yeah.
0: right. And then all, that's why you end up with the bowling ball with the little fluff right. ball on top.
1: Exactly. <laughs> because you needed lots y- you of You needed paper. so much tissue paper to do it. So you make a thicker, like <laughs> opaque. Is that the right word? Oh, version yeah, of, yeah, of right. paper. Need one sheet, and there you go. And it's like, wow, oh my god, we've discovered something right here in Kansas City, right again. here in
0: Kansas City. And it was it they it was so popular that only two, it took about two years that they ended up, and I think it was I, I think it was right around 1920 that they actually created the manufacturing line for the first wrapping paper right here in Kansas City. And it started in a, a Christmas rush downtown Kansas City. We need to make sure that people have a way to wrap their presents, and tissue was sold out. Which is hysterical to me, and voila!
1: So, when did the wrapping paper go from local Kansas City cool thing to boom? It is everywhere.
0: Well, I think that you know there were. There's always a problem with trademarking and things like that on on especially something like that because it's paper. It's
1: paper, yeah. It's colored <laughs> so, paper essentially, yeah.
0: I know a girl who tried to 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 patent scented wrapping paper one time. I was like, mm, I don't want to
1: smell my packages. I, <laughs>
0: Um, My mind went right down. Of course it did. (laughs) But yes, you don't want to, you don't, I I think that it didn't take long. I'm going to say, especially the roaring 20s, um, we had, Kansas City was a source of in and out traffic because of the railroads. It certainly wouldn't have taken long. And especially because Hall, it didn't take long for them to be a nationwide Mm -hmm. company um, where people and and I should be clear that that stationary companies would purchase Hall products, Hallmark products and put them in their store. So it wouldn't be like a Hallmark store. It's a store with, you know. All different types of items so i mean it's just to me it's fascinating i mean it's just thinking about like the the first lighted tree it's like if you wanted to decorate your christmas tree you went to the bakery yeah
1: I put up rolls
0: yeah
1: <laughs> uh, hung up a you know a it's loaf like- of bread <laughs> You know, there's a brownie over there for well, Susie.
0: But even even back in the day, think about it. Fruit would have been a commodity. Yeah. So fruit, like like here's an orange. Be like, yes, I got Sweet. an orange for Christmas.
1: So <laughs> with with all of this that's going on, the most I think impressive thing, and the thing that Kansas City is probably most well known for when it comes to the holidays, are the Plaza Lights. Even though we should be more known for the trees, the lighted trees, the yes. electric trees, the wrapping paper, the cards, all of that stuff that was started here in Kansas City. But when you think Kansas City, you think plaza lights. Yep. And, and and that became a phenomenon obviously after the plaza was built. But it's become something that I think is very signature to this town and probably it's one of the top things people think of when they think of Kansas City, not just at Christmas time right. but but in general.
0: Yeah, in, in the the lighting of the of, of the Plaza lights is now a tradition that people look at. And, of course, they keep the lights on. It feels like longer and longer every year. But, you know, they're on until January and and all of that. But it, all, of course, starts with one strand of lights because everything started with one strand of flammable lights. (laughs) So there was a guy named Charles Pitrat. Pitrat. And he was good friends with uh, Jesse Clyde Nichols, so JC Nichols. And when when Nichols decided to build in a swampland, because that's essentially what the plaza area was... When he decided to build in the swamp land, this guy Charles was with him. They were good friends. They, I think, they went to college together at KU actually. So they were uh, building the Country Club Plaza by 1922, and he is kind of becomes the plaza guy. And during this time, the, the first building is is erected. It's now the Mill Creek Building. It's right at 46 and what's J.C. Nichols Parkway. Right. But before that, it was Mill Creek Parkway. Um, and and it was called like the Sui Dam Building, originally named after the first merchant who actually leased space it in the pl- on the plaza on the second floor of the Mill Creek Building, and it was a decorating company, like a like an interior design company. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's um in this building on Christmas Eve or around Christmas Eve, and uh, he's at the second story entrance, and you have to kind of imagine where this is, but he's at the second story entrance. And he's got a strand of lights in his hand, and who knows why? we you got to remember, lights would have been expensive at this time. So he's got a strand of lights, and um, he he's he's talking to the merchants. They're leaving, and he decides. He kind of looks up, and he sees the cornice of the of the building, and he goes, "I am going to stick these lights up there." So he gets a ladder and he just streams this one strand of lights poop and that's where the uh, they say the, origi- the origin of the plaza lights began. But you have to remember this the reason that it didn't take off at first. I mean, one strand of lights is because nobody would go to the plaza. I don't know if people know this, but to try to convince people to drive that far and this is motor cars are new and and the plaza was the first outdoor shopping center in all of America. And really, was designed to have parking garages, which is interesting, and people didn't have parking garages back then they didn't think ahead like like Nich- Nichols was thinking, but nobody would go to the plaza so so it was so bad that charles and and JC Nichols would actually ask the people who worked on the plaza to park on the street to make it look busy. Wow, like don't park in the parking garage, we create park on the street, we need to make this place look hopping right because there's nobody down there, so this is when nobody's on the plaza. So it, it took a while for it to, you know, he, he gets on the ladder. He strings those lights up. And it's three years later when the Plaza Theater was constructed. So the Plaza Theater is constructed three years later. So you're looking at 1925. They, the, the, the Plaza stra- strings one long strand of lights down the street, which is 47th Street. And that's where the Plaza Lights officially became public you know, viewing. It would have been a big deal to have that one strand of lights. I mean, I'm not saying that. But by 1929, every building on the plaza, so that's a very short amount of time, every building along the plaza had lights. It's now 15 blocks long, and it comprises, they say, about 280,000 Christmas lights. And it's
1: still going today. still
0: going today. And it all started with one little strand of lights from some guy named Charles Pittrat who decided... That he wanted to to bring some holiday cheer to the Mill Creek building on the plaza,
1: and he started a tradition that everybody knows about. Maybe even worldwide, you see the plaza all the time.
0: Oh, absolutely! And I love that because when you're broadcasting in Kansas City, you know Chiefs play or whatever. Yeah. You always, you know, you always get the scout and all that. But around Christmas time, it, it's just the most beautiful scene. It's something that people that aren't from this area have never been to Kansas City. May not know that is Kansas City, but they've seen that before. Right, they've seen the lights and the construction of the plaza, and and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And 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 I love that other areas of our city have taken some of those traditions that we had early and have kind of brought them um, into other you know uh, venues like downtown Kansas City has. I mean, look at the power and light building. Speaking of Mm -hmm. lit up in different colors, and even North Kansas City uh, back when Petticoat Lane back in the early days, Petticoat Lane was beautiful. It's where everyone went to shop. And they had garlands streamed across this. They would actually hang it from the electric lines, mm-hmm. which also sounds like an awful idea. But they would string these lights. And they used to have these big crowns that were centered around and these beautiful crowns that were put into storage. And then it was several years later up in um, in North Kansas City. They actually re they, they redid. So they actually redesigned. But they now have the crowns hanging there. And those are original parts of Kansas City's history. When people shopped on Petticoat Lane, everybody knew those crowns that were hanging So, I mean, Kansas City has a lot of different traditions that all interlace with with nationwide traditions, but also things that are very unique to Kansas City, like the Plaza Lights that all originate here because of the, you know, the innovation of pioneers that sometimes you don't even know their name, like Carl Lux. You don't know who he is. Edwin Weeks. Most people, unless you work at Power and Light or, you know, work for a power company and are obsessed with something like that, would even know who he is. And then, of course, you know, people have heard of Nichols, but nobody, people credit Nichols for the lights. But it's this this poor guy who who had a lifelong career with J.C. Nichols, you know, named you know Pitrat, who was the one who actually pioneered the plaza lights at Kansas City,
1: and we can see why the mayor's Christmas tree lighting is so big and why it's at Crown Center. Now you understand yeah. the significance. At least I understand the yeah. significance of why that Christmas tree is at Crown Center because of the first lights being, you know, done basically by Hallmark.
0: And I think that is important for and for for those first in Kansas City to come here and then also to be so close to nationwide history. I mean, to to be the first stringing of electric lights just a couple years after this one strand hung on some, you know, really smart dude, physics dude's tree in another city, and here we are talking about how we were one of the first to have it, which is amazing.
1: It's a pretty impressive tale when you look back at wrapping paper. Christmas tree lights and all of the stuff that we look at every day during the holiday season was actually born right here in our town of Kansas City. Hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful holiday. We'll talk to you next year.